This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Welcome to the Return to Order Moment. This episode expands on the normal format. Instead of bringing you two or three articles that relate to a common theme as usual, this episode will focus on one article. Mr. John Horvath's review of the new book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. First, I will read the article. After that, Mr. Horvat and I will have a conversation about the article and book in which he can expand some of the ideas in his review. So here is John Horvat's essay, Rules Without God and Eternal Life, The Flaws in Jordan Peterson's New Book. After a long absence, best-selling author Jordan Peterson has climbed back from a brutal medication dependency triggered by a family health crisis. He returns to the stage by launching another book. His last book delivered 12 Rules to Order One's Life. His new work is titled Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. Those who expected something different will only find something more. More rules. These new rules are a bit more serious than the rather corny tenets, Rule 12, Pet a Cat When You Encounter One in the Street, offered in his last book. There will also be more references to the same secular Freudian premises that straightjacketed the first 12 rules. More is not always better. 12 rules should be enough for life. 10 would probably be ideal. Nonetheless, Dr. Peterson insists on hammering out 12 more rules. In a Peterson-esque way, the new book is a paradox since it leaves the reader wanting both more and less at the same time. On the less side, this book gets bogged down in the author's client case studies, personal reminiscences, archetypal stories, and pensive musings. Dr. Peterson tends to make simple things complicated, with long and tangled sentences of complex concepts to the point where the reader cries out, Give me less! With postmodern bona fides, he references and tries to find deep meaning in Harry Potter, the film Jaws, and the Avenger action figure Iron Man. If anything needs to be less, it is every attempt to make today's shallow pop culture seem profound. Finally, Reading the renowned professor is also an exercise of wanting ever more. He might introduce a good point, but it will never go beyond his limited Jungian universe, ever evolving in the cosmos of being with a capital B. The reader is always left wanting for something more beyond his meager secular fare. His prose asphyxiates with its lack of supernatural perspective. The clinical psychologist never manages to break out of the ego and the id. Wanting more, some readers look for a message embracing the gospel message and the life of grace. Many Christians are impressed by Dr. Peterson's efforts to get young men to act responsibly. Thus, They try to read Christian lessons into his writing to satisfy their desire for more. Indeed, 
Many admirers so desire the author's leap of faith that they have speculated that he might well be a closet Christian. However, such hopeful readers will again be disappointed. Little has changed from his last to his most recent book in matters of embracing Christ. This is not to say that Dr. Peterson ignores Christian references or mentions of God. He quotes scripture and uses biblical stories. However, these references are framed as mere stories. Christ is shockingly just another story figure among many gods, including ancient and bizarre Egyptian gods. The author is not hostile to religion, but sees it as a natural phenomenon. Thus, he believes that religion is a subjective experience with positive social and psychological effects upon individuals. However, life's true meaning is discovered, quote, by each individual alone, although in communication with others past and present, unquote. His naturalistic vision of religion leads him to claim that, quote, religious experiences can reliably be induced chemically as well as through practices such as dancing, chanting, fasting, and meditating, unquote. Likewise, his explanation of morality consists in community-accepted rules of socialization and integration worked out over millions of years. His analysis of the Ten Commandments explains that the first one, quote, speaks to the necessity of aiming at the highest possible unity, unquote but not toward loving and adoring, quote, the Lord thy God, unquote. Even evil is something of a construct. He says that, quote, the Christian conception of the great figure of evil, Mephistopheles, Satan, Lucifer, the devil himself, is, for example, a profound imaginative personalization of that spirit of evil, unquote. Indeed, he further states that, quote, Christ and Satan are elements of personified eternity itself, unquote. That is the problem with Jordan Peterson. When there is nothing more than this naturalist outlook, everything is reduced to less. Humanity is immediately deprived of recourse to God and the work of grace that would open up the universe of sanctity to fall in human nature. Thus, the book becomes a mad scramble to find more natural and psychological explanations, solutions, and rules for the real mental problems that plague postmodern man. Instead of a fountain of wisdom, the tome becomes a jumble of self-help, counseling, and motivational literature. At times, the book can have a Norman Vincent Peale positive thinking feel. The reader is invited to have, quote, faith in yourself, your fellow man, and the structures of existence itself, the belief that there is enough to you to contend with existence and transform your life into the best it could be, unquote. Rule two encourages the person to, quote, imagine who you could be and then aim single-mindedly at that. Unquote. Rule 10 deals with marriage, in which the psychologist stresses the need for spouses to negotiate when resolving problems. However, 
marriage is considered only as a natural relationship. There is no mention of its sacramental character. Other parts contain some of that tough love advice for which he is famous. Rule 11 encourages readers to avoid resentment, arrogance, and deceit. In a normal world, such common-sense pointers would be unnecessary. However, in an abnormal world, one can wonder if they can be implemented and sustained without long-forgotten premises about the meaning and purpose of life. The noted professor's rules for life fail to address eternal life. In all fairness to Dr. Peterson, he never promises anything beyond 12 more rules. However, rules only make sense in the face of an end. The times demand a perspective oriented toward God, the supreme end and sublime beauty, so ancient and so new, for which postmodern humanity hungers and seeks rest. Without the faith and the church to guide humanity to this end, existence is reduced at best to a rule book, full of rules and more rules to order things mechanically to further existence. At this point, I'm going to interview the author of the preceding essay, Mr. John Horvat. So thank you for meeting with me, Mr. Horvat. Great being on. Okay. I know that you read and reviewed Jordan Peterson's earlier book, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, and you called it a book I wanted to like. Can you explain briefly what you meant? Right. The title of the book is 12 Rules for Life, and uh, I, I wanted to like the book because I like rules. I think rules are, are essential for any type of return to order. And so... When I saw that title, I was automatically disposed to like the, to like the book. But when I saw the rules, that's, what, that's when things changed. The, the rules uh, were not the type of rules I think we need in our, our society today, and so I was disappointed. I wanted to like the book, but I didn't. So then uh, you know, Dr. Peterson's done this, this new book. Uh, does that confirm or modify your, the, the opinion you had of the first book? Right. His first book was 12 Rules for Life, and this book is 12 More Rules for Life. Um, you know, I, I like rules, but I think we, you know, we, you can get too many rules. Uh, Ten rules is fine. I mean, that's uh, what uh, we have in the Ten Commandments. And so when I saw these 12 more rules, I saw that they were pretty much uh, along the same lines of the others. Uh, my criticisms of them were that they were based on the foundation of Freudian logic and um, a lot of the a lot of the modern writers that uh, got us in the, in the in the mess we are in today. So uh, that was what I found in this present book, and it just confirmed what I saw in the last one. Is it safe to say that then that your your problem with the rules is that they were a little too simplistic, or is there another specific criticism that you've got in mind? Well, they were based on you know uh, Nietzsche or Kant or um, Freud, Jung. Uh, these are the the writers that uh, you know went against uh, the Christian uh, the Christian philosophies that were are the foundation of our civilization, and so that those were the those were the main criticisms. You know, we cannot really these we cannot base ourselves on these types of rules because they go contrary to our civilization. At the same time, he was a step behind the present revolution. So, you know, he, he does come out against postmodern thought, 
but he is very much entrenched in modern thought, and we don't, and that's what we don't need at this present time. Another of your criticisms of the new book was that it frequently used uh, a lot of pop culture references. Uh, could you explain what you mean by that? Right. Um, you know, I think it's an effort to try to be uh, try to be relevant in, in today's society. Uh, he he refers to people uh, reference to works like Harry Potter or Iron Man and the action series, or he'll he'll bring up all sorts of these these modern images and and metaphors as positive metaphors and I don't see Harry Potter as a as a positive metaphor I think he it it, it at, at best just confuses the uh, the moral um, the moral uh, climate you know you you don't know whether he's for or against what he is you know he it is and, and there are there is a lot of a lot of occult things in there that uh, he definitely doesn't criticize well certainly you've done a lot of writing over your career in your mind, can a pop culture reference ever be appropriate for something like this? You're trying to reach out to people who live in a world dominated by pop culture. Yeah, definitely. Well, you can use pop culture, but I mean, I would I would put it in the terms of of a criticism. If it if it merits criticism, I would put it in the terms of criteria that are that the Catholic criteria that which uh, we base ourselves and. He doesn't have that criteria, and he and it is very open-ended. And so, you know, you, you're uh, that's my main criticism of his use of pop culture. Okay. Now, one criticism that you make, and I, I think maybe some readers may be a little I have a question about what this what this actually means, is that you said that Dr. Peterson sees religion as a quote natural phenomenon unquote. Uh, what what does that particular criticism mean? Yes. Um, he does talk a lot about religion from from a psychological point of view and from a psychoanalysis point of view, but he 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 frames it in a natural perspective. That is to say, he says the Bible is a story, is a narrative, is an archetype, but it is not the. He does not consider it real. He puts it on the same uh, you know on the same stature as pagan religions or even Egyptian religions or all sorts of, of strange things. And as we know, our Christian religion is not that, it is the one true faith. And, uh, you know, and so this natural look at religion saying, well, it's, it's simply a, a framework or a narrative uh, doesn't really say what re- re- true religion is. It is that link to the, to the one true God. So then what Generally, what are the shortcomings of seeing religion as something that is exclusively natural? It it necessarily takes away the uh, the supernatural. When you have the supernatural, especially the life of grace, uh, we are capable of things beyond our nature, and so it opens up the whole universe of sanctification and the the life of sanctification, the life of of sanctifying grace. Where we where we can do much 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 more than than what 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 our our mere nature is is capable of, so it, it sort of takes away a whole universe of possibilities and and uh, it very narrows our view of life and what is possible in life. Okay, when when your article or the the review of this new book was first published on the Crisis Magazine site, uh, there was a comment that said, "quote." I know lots of non-Christians who are sane and seek a sane world. We must pray for them while supporting their battle against groupthink and political correctness. Jordan Peterson drives the woke mob crazy. He's an enemy of our enemies. He deserves our support. Would you care to respond to that, reader? 
Well, I mean, we definitely like we like it when he does put the woke crowd uh, against the wall. I mean, there, and that is what he's mainly famous for. It's only when he branch, it branches out into religion and ethics and some of the, uh, the these other fields that you know we have a lot of criticism. So I think we need to be very realistic in how we look at him. We cannot just turn a blind eye to the to a lot of these uh, thoughts where he equates our religion with any other religion or, or Egyptian religions or strange pagan thoughts. You know, it's it simply doesn't. Uh, we we cannot uh, do that. We have to have a very realistic vision of what he's teaching. And if he does something good and he does something that goes against the woke crowds, all the better. So you mentioned that some readers, quote, try to read Christian lessons into his writing to satisfy their desire for more. Why do you think that Christians in the modern world are are so willing to turn to a non-Christian for advice of this sort? Right. I mean, uh, Dr. Peterson would be the first to admit that he is not a Christian, that he does not have faith. And so he, he does not, uh, um, you know, he, he would not be a, a source of Christian wisdom, so to speak. But, there are, but he does touch upon moral topics, which somehow dovetail with some, some Catholic teachings, some teachings of, of morals that, uh, you know, that we, would, we can appreciate. But at the same time, they, they lack that supernatural foundation. They lack a lot of things that the church teaches about uh, these topics. And so um, there are a lot of people who see his writings and, and try to, to give a Christian interpretation to those writings, saying, well, he's really a Christian disguise. He's really a closet Catholic. He's a person that, doesn't, you know, that's, that wants to lead to Christ, but at the same time, he, he really doesn't. So you know, I think we need to, to take a very realistic attitude toward his, um, his views and his perspective, and this would probably be an attitude that he himself would agree. So then, what does that situation say to you about the state of Christian belief in America today? Yeah, I mean, uh, the state of, of, of the Christian belief in America today is, is in a very dire strait because we have a crisis inside the church where a lot of the, those people who should be saying the right things about our, church, our faith are not saying the right things. In fact, they're saying the contrary things. And so when, they, when people see someone on the other side, you know, who does not have faith, who is, who's saying things that uh, Christians should be saying, uh, they, they naturally say, well, we should, they naturally want to hold on to it. So it, it is a rather confusing situation where we have Christians saying non-Christian things and non-Christian th- saying Christian things. Uh, we need to have Christians saying Christian things. That's the best way to do it. That's the best way we're going to get the right message. Um, we can acknowledge uh, the good that people uh, will say, uh, you know, if they're like Dr. Peterson, but at the same time, we need to be realistic and, and, say, uh, and to uh, take his, his message with a, with a grain of salt because there are a lot of things mixed in there that will not be helpful in, uh, to our desires for a Christian civilization. Well, thank you very much for your insights, sir. I hope that uh, our readers uh, will... Uh, you will be able to get something more deep out of the out of the article that you've just written. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been great. Thank you for joining us for this discussion of Mr. John Horvath's Rules Without God and Eternal Life, The Flaws in Jordan Peterson's New Book. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part. 
strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out the motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. T.F.P.